You're listening to Cybersecurity Inside, the podcast where you can discover what you need to know about cybersecurity. To learn more, visit us at cybersecurityinside.com. What are the components within that supply chain? And can we verify that those are actually the right components? You can get the benefits of AI without having to share too much of your own personal data. Holy cow. There's so many places this could go wrong now, right? And and how do I secure all of this? Hi, and welcome to the Cybersecurity Inside Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Garrison, and with me is my co-host, Camille Moorhart. Camille, how are you doing today? I'm doing so well, and I'm really excited to share my fun fact later, but you'll have to wait for that. That's right. That's right. We had some good fun facts this time. So today we're going to talk about transformation and specifically digital transformation. And, and we, we go into different uh, you know levels of this conversation, but I think most importantly, when we talk about most transformations up until now, we talk about cloud and cloud is sort of the end point, if you will, of one end of that transformation. Like once you've achieved cloud, you've sort of achieved the majority of the goal. But as with governments and public sectors in general, you can envision that there's not just one cloud. And so the idea of digital transformation has to extend from one cloud to another. And how do you do that securely? And we're going to dive into that topic today. Yeah, I think he goes into, you know, cloud to cloud conversations, uh, business to business when you're talking about even transferring cloud. And how do you keep that secure? And how do you think about that? It's interesting. Exactly. So we and and this was kind of a crossover event for us as well, because we had also uh, been a guest on his podcast, which uh, we've done this now, I think, two or three times over the year or so since we've been doing this podcast, which is always a fun thing to do. We have basically two different conversations, but on a similar topic. So this is our podcast with our guest from Intel, who also hosts his own very own podcast. So let's jump right to it. Let's do. Our guest today is Darren Pulsifer. He is the chief solutions architect at Intel, focused on the public sector, investigating effective change, leveraging people, process, and technology. He is also the host of Embracing Digital Transformation podcast. Of which, by the way, Camille and I were just guests on his podcast. So welcome to our podcast, Darren. Yeah, you guys are more structured than I am. I'm not used to this countdowns and all this. This is great. Thank you for uh, having me on your show. That's right. We aim to be professional here. (laughs) Well, Darren, uh, so can we just start off with having you describe your background and what you do for Intel? Yeah, so I actually have a really strange background. I'm a software engineer by trade. After being in the dot-com boom and um, not getting funding because I didn't have a web startup in the 90s, but dogfood.com did. I still don't get that one. I went back to school and got my MBA, and then I started moving into technology management where I was a CIO at, at one time, of all things, a juice company. Saw rapid growth. And from there, I've, I've been um, in different industries, got back into high tech. And now I sit uh, at Intel, where um, I actually talk to other CIOs and uh, commiserate with them and help them figure out how to 
effectively move forward with uh, digital transformation. Well, that sounds fascinating to me. Like, what's on the CISO mind and where are they in terms of this whole transformation that's happening and security? What, what are you hearing? I would say this before COVID hit, the CIOs were in a quagmire of uh, not having enough budget, timelines were too long, and confusion in direction because cloud was starting to emerge. It really confused a lot of people. Do I go to the cloud? Do I stay on-prem? COVID hits. It's amazing what a pandemic will do to focus. Plans that they had to move everyone to like Office 365 um, in the next you know three years happened in three weeks. People were now looking at the remote workforce as an asset, not as a detriment. So a lot of things changed during the pandemic. And now, now that people have moved away from, you know, adjusting to this new way of working, the number one uh, thing I think they're worried about now is security. Uh, the number of security breaches we've had over the last 18 months has been astronomical. And some of that has been new breaches. Some of them have been breaches that, you know, nation states or bad actors are finally pulling the trigger on. They've been very patient. Uh, whoever w- would have thought that meat packing plants would be a target for cyber criminals. That just doesn't make sense. So is, is there any particular trends when it comes to the the type of actions that the, the, the folks that you're talking to are taking? Um, it's kind of all over the board is, is what we're seeing in the data center, especially. They're trying to protect their data. I think they're okay now because of the move to cloud so much in the last um, 18 months. They're okay now if something gets infected, they'll just shut it off and move somewhere else. But they're concerned more about their data. Is their data going to be held ransom? Or is someone going to take copies of their data and release it out into the public? So that's one thing we're starting to see a big change. Are you seeing a lot of the CIOs actively uh, planning crisis simulations or uh, or ransomware attack scenario planning where they're actually going through what they would do if something happened? They're starting to. And in fact, I had Steve Warren. I don't know if you guys know Steve. He's our CTO of Intel Federal and a former CISO. We talked about this on one of my episodes. He said, if you don't have a business continuity plan that includes ransomware, you're already too late because it's not if it's going to happen. It's what do you do when it happens? Well, one of the things that we had a conversation uh, in another episode on this podcast that kind of enlightened me was some of the conversations around ransomware are not just do we pay or do we not pay or, you know, do we have a principled approach to this or how are we going to deal with it? Um, But rather, how much do we disclose other than the legally required amount that we need to disclose? You know, are we going to tell law enforcement? Are we going to tell the public if we're not required to? Because the payment is really often handled by the insurance companies making the decision. Uh, You you know, that's that's a very good point. Um, One thing that you should have is what are you going to do? What is the PR from it going to be as well? Think of Target. This is a great example. The attack on Target where they stole customer data and credit card numbers, they released that information pretty quickly to let people know. And I think to their benefit, 
but other companies have sat on the data for some time and then released it later after they were able to plug the holes. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I, th- that's that's a tough decision to make that most CIOs are not making on their own. That's when you start talking to legal. That's when I mean those are some big decisions that you have to you have to talk about. But you should have a plan. That that's the key. Even as simple as writing the phone number down to the FPI and writing it down in a book, not on your computer systems that you may not have access to anymore. You got to figure these things out. So, uh, Darren, you know, your your role is uh, chief solutions architect. For those of you not at Intel that are listening to this podcast, you may wonder, well, what does that actually mean from a from a job responsibility standpoint, and I can I can tell you, there's lots of responsibilities for for that role, but one of them is really about thinking about the future, and you know, designing solutions that will be available in two, three, four, in some cases even longer uh, years. So, is there anything that you can share with us in terms of what's going to be even more important as we move forward, and maybe some of the kind of cool, exciting things that people can expect to see maybe not just from Intel, but in general from industry players over the next coming years? Now that's a that's a good question. I I really see CIOs moving away from being chief infrastructure officers to being back to what they should be. And that's chief information officers. So I see as infrastructure becomes more commoditized and, and your data and your information starts living beyond the walls of the data center, you're going to start seeing CIOs become even more important to the organization and drive better competition, drive new innovation inside the companies. And that's only when they really start thinking that way. If they still think that they need to hold on to a server and manage that themselves and manage infrastructure, they're going to go the ways of the chief power officers in the early 1900s. No one has a power officer anymore, right? Because power is ubiquitous. It's everywhere. We can get electricity whenever we need it. And so that that's a major shift that I think CIOs need to step up to. And if they don't, then the CDOs are going to take their jobs, the chief data officers. So I think the big emphasis is on information management, information structure. And that does not mean throwing everything into one data center. There's just too much data everywhere. So now it's the job of of the information officers to find where that data is. And it may not necessarily be their own. When they're looking at um, data, obviously privacy comes to mind immediately. And you had brought that up earlier. What are some of the um, surrounding kinds of things that they need to look at when they're looking at privacy. Like for me, for example, I would say if you're going to look at privacy, ultimately you're going to need to be thinking about ethics or responsible AI. What are some of those surrounding areas that CIOs are becoming smart in now? I I think they have to become smart because of GDPR, for example, and also the California Privacy Act uh, as well. They have to understand what the ramifications of those uh, regulations are. But I think more importantly, I think customers are demanding it. And if you are not focused on how to manage data effectively, 
especially around PIP, right? That you're going to run into the um, personal data. Yeah, that personal data, right? You're you're going to start running into customers going somewhere else uh, because they're going to start worrying more about their personal data. It's it's funny when I talk to individuals about privacy, they get very concerned, and then I see them on Instagram sharing pictures, and I'm like, okay, so there's a perception of privacy. If that makes any sense, Camille. Well, I have another question about a little follow on to that, which is how transparent are CIOs thinking they should be? So obviously, if you're too transparent about where you're storing data, what data is being housed locally versus in the cloud, it could get you into trouble. But like you pointed out, you have this perception problem and this kind of desire for explainability and transparency among customers and and even the public. So how are they walking that line or deciding what to disclose? That's a a tough one. I think a lot of times the CIOs aren't walking that line. They're looking at legal to help, help them with that. I don't know that companies will have to disclose where their data is actually residing, just is their data protected and secure. I think we're at that point now where I don't think it really matters where as much as is it following good security best practices. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. I and and this goes into that there's this perception that if I'm in the cloud I'm more secure or I'm less secure depending on which, you know, side of the coin you're on. What people need to understand when they are using cloud resources or even on-prem resources there's a shared security model that you need to understand. For example, if you have data in the cloud, you're responsible for the security of that data. It's not the cloud service provider, which means you should be encrypting that data in the cloud. It should be stored encrypted in the cloud. You're responsible for access management of that data. A lot of times people say, well, I'm in the cloud now. I, they're handling security for me. That is not true. They're handling parts of security for you, but not everything. You know, it's interesting that you're the way that you're describing this and and really all the conversation so far has been about uh, business to business interactions. So uh, an enterprise and you're you're getting some sort of a, a cloud service from another company. How how about trends with regards to business to consumer. Do you see security rising to the level of something that the consumer, the average consumer is starting to care about? And and how are companies talking about it, whether it be privacy types of conversations or just data in general uh, with a consumer? It depends on the products that they're offering and the industry they're in. A great example, I was on a panel with an insurance, they insure banks, like FDIC, but at even a a higher level type thing. They store nothing in the cloud and their data center is completely cordoned off, not connected to the internet. Everything is sneaker netted over. Now, there's an organization that is very cautious about data security, data privacy, right? And then on the same panel, I was talking to a startup 
that's just trying to get people engaged and, and go viral with their social media and engagement, they're like, we're an open platform. We want to share everything. So I, I don't think there's a broad brush that you can paint across, but everyone's talking about data privacy. What are the different techniques on realizing that data privacy, making it real? And that involves security as well. Yeah, my, my point of view is that security has gone from really the land of the misfits where it was you had to be like a security person to even really talk about it to now it's kind of going up this curve of, well, now non-security people are really talking about security. And it hasn't yet reached to the point where it is changing people's behavior, broadly speaking. Certainly certain companies are, but I think we're on the cusp where people say security matters. They say it's one of their number one criteria for uh, selecting hardware or selecting software. But when it really comes down to it, is it really changing their behavior or not? I think we're we're just yeah. getting to the point where behavior change is about to happen. I, I think you're right. And I hate to say it this way. I think we're going to have to have a couple more pretty gnarly breaches for it to push the industry over the top to make that happen. Because, mm -hmm. you know, I, I'm, I told you at the beginning, I'm a software developer by trade. I still code. I always found security to get in my way. When I'm trying to write code, I'm trying to open up sockets to have two programs talk to each other. I'm trying to connect to a service. Security was always in my way, slowing me down, right? And until the security industry starts paying more attention to how to make it easier to secure things, I think we're going to still have problems with the development community for sure. And if you're not building security into the products that you're developing and they're bolted on afterwards, you're still going to get these Frankenstein applications out there and security will be a constant battle. Right. Or you can't just set up a security division in your company when you realize, oh, we need secure. Okay. And then give them the authority to stop ship and then say, well, I've got this all implemented and expect that to go smoothly. Yeah. It's, it's like, hey, I'm going to test security in. Okay. You run that Black Duck uh, static mm -hmm. analyzer right before you release your code. Go right ahead. That's going to solve all the problems. It it has to be a mentality change for sure. Yeah, mindset changes take a while, and uh, a while is not one or two months either. It's it's over years. But but you know, we said the same thing about remote work, Tom. We said it's going to take years to put the infrastructure in place to really have a workforce that can work remotely. But what did the forcing factor show us? It showed us it can happen and it can happen very quickly. And I think the same thing can happen for security. I just hope that we don't have a black swan moment in security because that would be That's pretty right. bad. It took a black swan event called a worldwide pandemic yes. for working from remote. Uh, mm -hmm. And we've had plenty of high profile security attacks. And we have, and they've affected sets of industries. I sure don't want to see well, a fire sale happen. That would True. be really bad. Yeah. No, but it, I, I, think, I think it could happen. I, I do. 
Well, I and and I for one, obviously, we like Camille and I wouldn't be doing podcasts like this if we weren't true believers in terms of what is possible, and that in our view, it takes education so people understand what's possible, and also how our companies on the forefront, how are they doing it, and sharing experiences so that other companies could go, oh, you know what, I hadn't, I didn't think of that, and we just have to make it easy. Yeah, I wonder if you if you have some of those. Maybe I, you know, in your engagements, either either one of two two ways of uh, maybe approaching this question. One is, do you have companies in mind that you think are doing something really innovative that you might be able to share without breaching confidentialities? Or conversely, how about attacks that you've heard of that maybe didn't make the news that we can uh, enlighten people about those? I can talk in some generalities because I do a lot of work with Department of Defense and the U.S. government, so I can. Mm-hmm. Sure. But in, in general, I see a trend happening here, and I think it's a good trend. People starting to secure their DevOps pipelines. The most recent attacks on the oil pipeline, the solar winds attack, and things like that happened very deep in these DevOps pipelines. And they all started with phishing attacks, which is really fascinating. And getting a an intern to divulge the the build password. <laughs> that was that was brilliant by the hackers, right? So we're starting to see people look at automation as a way of enforcing security policy in the data center more airless prone. Is that the right word? Well, I'm making up words now. Air free. Air free. There you go. Um so that security postures can happen automatically without human interaction. And the companies I start seeing doing that are having quite a bit of success in deploying new applications faster and with more security. So getting away from the click ops mentality where I'm clicking to deploy things where things are fully automated, I think that that's where the big the big benefit will come in the data center as far as security goes. And when I say data center, I really shouldn't say data center. It's the multi-hybrid cloud world today. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have that strategy, you're already too late to the table. Before we let you go, we have a segment we call Fun Facts on our podcast. <laughs> and no, we're kind of springing it on you a little bit, but uh, we'd love to hear if you have any fun facts that you would like to share with our listeners. Okay, so you guys warned me at, at the beginning, right before we started recording. So I had to come up with something. I live in Folsom, California. Folsom is known for Folsom Prison, of which a lot of people believe Johnny Cash served time there for drug possession. He did not serve time at Folsom Prison, but he did cause a prison riot when he sang there in front of the inmates. Um, After the warden actually told him he couldn't sing a song, you can't tell Johnny Cash not to sing a song. So there you go. There's my fun fact. Nice. That's a good one. Very good one. That's really good. Camille, how about you? I had one fun fact, but as soon as we sprung the fun fact section on Darren earlier, I got a better one. So my first fun fact is I was driving through Hermiston, Oregon, earlier this year, and that's the home of the Hermiston watermelons. 
So I thought that I would look up what is the biggest watermelon that was ever recorded. And it's recorded at 262 pounds, but unfortunately it was not in Hermiston. So want, want, want. But my my latest fun fact, if Darren doesn't mind me sharing, is Darren has 10 kids. Yep, that's right. That, that's <laughs> I don't know how he has a job with 10 kids. That but. <laughs> takes, that's an organizational effort right there where you, you've, got, you've got an army. I do. I do have an army, but I only have three at home right now. So it, the house seems empty. There you go. <laughs> there you, go. <laughs> you only have three kids. That's good. No, that's amazing. Incredible. So my fun fact is that it is estimated by whom I don't know, but you know, the mythical experts out there, it's estimated that there is enough gold in our planet's core to cover the entire earth in one and a half feet layer of gold. So we call it a rare earth metal, but in fact, there's there's a lot of gold in this earth. Just need to figure out drilling technology that can make its way through the uh, the mantle, all, all the mantle exactly. <laughs> anyway, well, Darren, thank you so much for joining us on our podcast. It was a pleasure for both Camille and I for being on your podcast. It's a great topic, and I think there's a lot for us to dive into over the time. Hey, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Stay tuned for the next episode of Cybersecurity Inside. Follow at Tom M. Garrison and Camille at Morehart on Twitter to continue the conversation. Thanks for listening. The views and opinions expressed are those of the guests and author and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Intel Corporation.